Hello, everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, and you can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q, and we have to address the facts I haven't played Ape Out yet. I know everyone's talking about it. <laughs> I know it's going to be cool and jazzy and have a lot of stuff I love, but I just haven't made the time, okay? Well, you played Ape Escape, though, right? I mean, it's pretty much the same thing. It, weirdly, it is, huh? Wouldn't that be strange to take the Ape Escape people from back in the day and say, this is what it looks like now? <laughs> Your vision has finally been realized. Yeah, but I did start playing something that not only feels like something that maybe I've pitched or we would pitch on this show on Playwright called Moonlighter, which uh, has you kind of mm, yeah. doing some dungeon crawling uh, during the night and running a shop during the day. It is uh, great. I love it and I can't wait to spend more time with it. Not the first game of its type. There's another game called, uh, I want to call it, well, the only word that's coming to mind is Reset Era, like the forum. <laughs> It's something like that, and uh, it's about a little anime girl who runs a shop and uh, goes out. Well, I don't know if she actually goes out adventuring, or whether she just sells stuff to people in a typical RPG type of uh, town. But uh, yeah, shop owner games, what fun. Anyways, I uh, I woke up this morning with a pretty severe case of vertigo. And oh so, no! Yeah, you uh, you wake up. Um, yeah, four o'clock a.m. and find that you're on the Austin Powers spinning bed and then realize, oh, no, I have not gotten my mojo back. In <laughs> fact, it is the polar opposite of that sentiment. My mojo is going to be gone for the rest of the day. Oh, no, you need your mojo, baby. I do. I need my mojo. I don't know why, but for some reason, maybe it's the thinking about Austin Powers, <laughs> uh, I have been saying baby like an inappropriate <laughs> amount lately. And I don't know when I started doing it, but today I said something like somebody was like, well, if you do this and this, it'll work out. And I said, that's math, baby. And I, I just feel like that's the right cadence to say it in. <laughs> yeah. You have to always baby, like it has to go up <laughs> in the end like that. But um, yeah, it feels strange, but I'm, I'm just going to kind of go with it and see what happens. Yeah. Well, we'll check back next week and uh, see where you stand with that. Sounds good, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I already tell that uh, I think I'm going to cast my vote early. Uh, oh, let's see. Fair enough. It's my turn this week, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is. What do you have for us? A very loose framework of a game, but I think there's something cool here. Let's try a game where you are playing the role of a genie. You are blue, your legs are wisps, <laughs> the whole nine yards, but you actually don't have any powers to grant people's wishes. So people, you're going around the world, people are making wishes at you, you don't actually have any magic powers, so if somebody like requests a thing or wants a million dollars, you just have to go out to some other place and find out how to make or steal that money. If somebody wants a pony, you gotta do something like that. And I was thinking maybe a twist on it is any object that you have touched, your only power is you can duplicate that object but only like the most recent thing that you've touched in some way so um yeah that's the idea all right and we'll start the clock there so what we're looking at is a uh, a fun little puzzle game almost in a, a scribble knots type of sense but um what i'm 
a little hung up on is that the complexity of the world that you'd have to create to house what is kind of a fun little simple logic game would uh, seem to be kind of prohibitive to building it. So let's yeah. let's amend this and uh, let's find a way to to simplify where we can simplify and really cut down to basics. I was thinking about scribble knots a lot actually when I um, sort of came up with this. And I was thinking the way that that kind of is pretty good about giving you, you know, nouns and feedback based on, you know, what you can think of. Maybe there's only so many objects in the world. Maybe it's a even a Katamari sized world. And you can kind of like figure out how to pick up things. And maybe if you pick up a couple things, then you can create a third thing from those things. I know I'm saying things a lot, but maybe does mm-hmm. that like, is that anything? Like if somebody wants something else, like, ooh, if I could pick up this liquid plus this fruit, I know I can turn it into fruit juice for this person. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, giving more and more kind of magic powers as you go. I think, I think there's kind of an inherent comedy in the premise of a non-magical genie, somebody who's just mistaken for being a genie when, uh, when they're really not. Uh, and so if we could just like take us to, the, to its simplest form... Um, I, I did want to uh, highlight that we had discussed recently, actually, another genie type game where you play a genie who has to spitefully uh, re- grant every request, every wish in a way that was uh, poetically just in the way that uh, a lot of genies or monkey paw scenarios are. Uh, maybe, maybe you have to grant every wish, not using magic. But there's a lot of wiggle room for like what is an acceptable solution to the problem. So, you know, if uh, uh, examples are always the hardest thing to come up with off the top of your head. But, you know, finding something in the environment that meets the letter of the request, but not the intent of the request. uh, It could be kind of a fun little monkey island type puzzle game. I like the idea that the world has almost a hitman level like uh systems kind of talking to each other like maybe you know not every request could be can you bring me object x y or z like maybe one person's like i really want to walk the runway (laughs) right and so you're like okay well if i can uh kidnap one of the models and i can get their outfit onto this other person then i can kind of shove that person out here and they'll kind of take care of it for me like hey wish granted it's not so great but you know it's it's basically the wish right or you can just uh throw them onto an airport tarmac yeah that's hey we're, <laughs> we're gonna walk the road that's really great so maybe there's like different interpretations of the same uh-huh. request within a level so all kind of based like- on puns off of uh off of the requests yeah and so now you get into a space where you're like this is really what you want. I know that somebody um, like for <laughs> this, there's an old, uh, really crappy set of like horror sci-fi movies called The Wishmaster. Do you know these? I've heard the name before, but I've never seen the movies. He essentially goes around. He's an evil genie. He grants people's wishes. And like one guy's like, I want to escape from prison, like, or I need to get out of this cell or whatever. And so what he does is he just like casts a spell and it like, turns every bone in the guy's body into mush and just like squeezes him through like the the cell bars. So Mm -hmm. like maybe there's, there's sort of weird solutions like that of like, Oh, the person wants to like visit their grandma. You can like, 
put them in a catapult and like loosely get them uh, in the direction of the ground, depending on how wacky the environment really is. And I can imagine it'd be Mm -hmm. a high level of wackiness. Yeah. um, I mean, there's the classic joke, the make me a sandwich and then the person that gets turned into a sandwich. Um, Yes. Oh, so if it was object based, then you could... So not only could you duplicate maybe any object you found, but you can also turn any object into any other object. Okay, so we are really layering on the magic at this point. You know, you're you're near limitless in your power, really. <laughs> yes, so um, basically you have the power to grant the wish almost, but you don't really have the know-how to grant the wish is almost what we're dealing with. I wonder if there's anything, and we don't have to go in this direction, but you are a genie from an ancient civilization. You are awakened by a future civilization and you don't speak the language. And so you just have to use context clues or uh, the little bits of words that you do kind of understand. Uh, So, you know, for us, then uh, they would be speaking Simlish or something, and we can kind of get a general direction as to what they're talking about or use context clues or something, and we're scored better based on uh, actually granting the wishes and scored poorly if we misinterpret what they want. That actually works out pretty well, because like the idea of a genie is like an ancient being in and of itself, but like... This can be a this can be a 2019 genie who like you can make a bunch of weird meta like internet jokes with, but then so far 2019 has not been a strong year for genies. No, that's, I've, I've noticed that, that too. every year. But. <laughs> so he's got like all of today's colloquialisms, but the society is like way, way, way future. So he's got to just sort of cope <laughs> and deal with that. Of like, okay, it, it's okay. It seems like you need this but I don't quite understand what you're saying. Imagine trying to tell somebody from like a thousand years from now what a rafflecopter is. Oh. Imagine trying to tell somebody in the current year. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, okay, I'm a genie. I can take objects. I can maybe, maybe I can't even duplicate them. All I can do is sort of like steal them and then bring them other places, right? And if you do steal them, maybe you get some fun, like people chase you and um, you're this weird little like thief genie and and you kind of lean into that. The lure of the genie as a mischievous, like does no good for you type of character. And so you're always borrowing from Peter to pay Paul, as they say. And you're going back and forth trying to fulfill these requests best you can and trying to hope that like the string of quests you're doing in a level don't kind of collapse in on each other. (laughs) So um, is this something that is kind of procedural or are we following a story? Because, you know, having having an authored storyline that you're going through really allows you to get more kind of in depth into the overlapping of storylines and into clever puzzles. But uh you know, it, it takes away the replay value if that's important to the idea. Yeah, I. this is almost in my mind in that category of it's it's authored, but it's a house of cards, right? Like maybe you don't make it through all the authored stuff. I know that mm-hmm. haunts the idea of every video game writer in the world. <laughs> what do you mean they won't experience my great dialogue I wrote? But the, yeah, essentially if you... To see all that is authored in either a level or maybe it is just a contained like sort of two hour game experience, you really have to execute each 
wish uh, fulfillment in a way that doesn't um, sort of disrupt who the next requester would be or like, well, I already gave that thing to this other person and I can't like take it back. Maybe that's the that's that's the crux mm. of the genie. They can't take back their their granted wish. That would be kind of funny if genies could just take it back or undo everything that they've done. All right. So uh, so what are we looking at as far as gameplay? Like what kind of uh, we mentioned scribble knots is kind of a point of reference earlier. Do we want a side on perspective like that or do we want this to be a purely text based game like what are we thinking about i do like man i could see it being an adventure game to what you what you said that is very like pick up and put things in your inventory and like try objects try objects try objects and at least in their most boring example i don't know why i imagined this almost as like a overly simplified low poly 3d world almost like a a super hot, but you know, with full colors. Okay. Yeah. I can, uh, I can see that working out as well. Something that's easy to iterate upon. Yeah. If you're a first person, you get that nice, like as you move, instead of the foot walk, you get the like genie hover sway sort of feeling going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're out of time. Let's go ahead and close that down and put a name on it. I did my homework this week and came with a name for this one. I think it still applies. Lousy genie. Okay. Is that a pun on something or is that just... <laughs> It just, yeah, it just sounds good when I say it. (laughs) Okay, nothing wrong with that. We'll go with Lousy Genie. Well, and we can all dream of being a genie in Lousy Genie this fall. (laughs) Uh, You should be a marketing age. I am. That's the worst part. (laughs) And that's still the best that I can do off the top of my head. Good things take time. (laughs) All right. uh, What I'm going to pitch today is a character action game, kind of like a Bayonetta, in which um, you have a powerful dragon form that can be awakened. Uh, it's something kind of like, um, like, I think about using Corrin in Super Smash Bros, where just like your arm will transform into a dragon jaw for a brief moment. Mm. And so, you know, it's like an accentuation, very powerful attacks. You're kind of awakening this dragon from another realm and channeling it through your body to eat your enemies, to deal damage to large groups. And essentially, you know, you are relatively underpowered um, just using your own attacks, but you can make it through. You can you can kind of power through, but uh, you can pull out the dragon at any time to really do some serious damage and take out the larger enemies to, uh, to clear the herds, as it were. Um, so kind of a high-risk kind of reward. But when you get to the end of each level, you have to fight this dragon and the more it eats throughout the level the more powerful it becomes and so you are uh maybe taking a shortcut now and having to fight a more powerful boss at the end of the stage so let's start the clock how do you see the sort of transformation feeling in that sense like is it a is there like gradations to it is there steps of transformation or is it kind of a all of a sudden thing uh well like i said with um uh with smash bros and corin how you know you throw certain combos and then at the end of it your arm will transform into a dragon jaw for a moment and take a big bite or you know maybe like bayonetta how she kind of awakens these portals that have the giant uh fists and and feet come yeah, out with of her them hair, to punch and kick right? the enemies. Yeah, yeah. So something like that where you have this connection to another realm that you can uh, just kind of in the course of 
combos and maybe there's a light attack button and a heavy attack button that is all just these you know dragon moves that you can kind of string in and out of combos uh you can awaken it at any time and it's all very fast and very fluid have you seen uh spider-man into the spider-verse yes so uh, this like in my head i'm thinking about like breaking into this other realm as a really cool hyper colored very similar to the end sequence of that movie i don't know how that would translate necessarily mm-hmm. into fighting moves but if the if the stage and the realm felt like they were in sitting right in between the planes of existence um summoning uh something from another realm could feel really sort of explosive and if maybe if you timed it wrong you just get like a piece of the dragon or so oh damn i got the dragon tail that's not quite what i meant to get <laughs> it would be kind of funny or um there's a lot of not a lot but there are some video games that require you to kind of like draw shapes in the air to to make magic like okami and oh. some of those kind of first person elder scrolly type games but you know on the more hardcore side so maybe you have to kind of like draw portals and if you misdraw then but that at that point i don't want you know, the dragon to have a limb severed or something, because then you can just like actively sabotage it and make the final boss easier. I kind of want it to be like little punishments, (laughs) you know, you relied upon this kind of great cheat that we gave you throughout the level. And now you have to pay the piper. I think that's cool. One of the things that I'm, I'm almost thinking like if you have to fight like with it and, Maybe the dragon is getting stronger the more you use it. It's almost like a Yoshi. The more it feeds, the like crazier it becomes. Of course, I guess at the end of any, if you were going to go level based at the end of any level, like you're facing um, a fully powered up or maybe only as powered up as you use it. If you like go through the level trying to use the dragon or the extra power, like as little as possible, then you can kind of get an easier sort of pushover experience at the end. Right. That's the idea is that, you know, you have this temptation to use this, this great power because, um, it makes things a lot easier. And if you die to the enemies, you know, you're not really, not really serving yourself very well. Uh, but, um, you do get a, an easier final boss and maybe you have, maybe it's different monsters that you're kind of tuning into in these different dimensions, every level. And so you fight a little bit differently. You have different combos and everything. You're kind of having to learn as you go. And then when you get to the final boss, obviously it is uh, different for each stage. And so you get a different fight. What if we give a little bit, make the control scheme feel a little bit Super Smash-like in it that maybe you're engaging a lot with the right stick as well as like you have your basic attacks and stuff that you can do that are semi-effective. But if you engage with the right stick and almost go, I'm I'm thinking like street fightery with it, where you're doing like quarter circles in different mm. directions, that could be maybe different elemental attacks with the dragon. And then the boss that you fight ends up having like the properties of whatever the combination of attacks you use. So it's almost like the boss at the end is a package of emphasis and feedback to you, the player as to how you played the level. So it's like, well, you did a lot of like fire punches with the like quarter circle. Well, now the boss Hmm. at the end is going to be a fire boss and therefore immune to your fire attacks and like forcing you to like come up (laughs) with a new strategy. 
It's going to have like one really jacked arm, kind of like Trogdor. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be perfect. It'll drag behind you in a really upsetting way. <laughs> yeah, uh, and this also plays into a lot of games where you have to balance kind of like tapping into a great power but becoming more bestial along the way like Bloodborne. I think there's there's precedent for this kind of thing. So um, let's let's try to come up with an interesting story. We've just had... Devil May Cry 5 come out and you know this maybe isn't a million miles away from something like that so what would be a cool setting for this type of hero to emerge in I I would almost like to see Devil May Cry is such a like punky weirdly gothic aesthetic I wonder if I was thinking medieval but that that almost taps into the gothic I feel like you're going to end up in a bunch of like cathedrals and that sort of thing if you do that a soulsian look what is the opposite of that? Is there is there like the cyberpunk version of this? I know I feel like DMC can do that too a little bit, but like what if you're in a city of neon and like everything is really kind of hyper-colored? You're maybe like a scientist who is experimenting with multiple dimensions and dimensional rifts and something. I mean, that's obviously a bit of a genre cliche at this point, but it gets us to where we need to be. And it would explain why you're not a great fighter, you know, on your own. And maybe it's time to, to speaking of our good friend, Spider-Man, maybe you do the Hank Connors like origin story where you, uh, there's a setup, you, there's some tragic accident, you are unable to save a friend or something, you lose a limb, you become disabled, I know. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is like mm-hmm. very explicitly it's coming soon and it's explicitly talking about things like the prosthetic the shinobi prosthetic and uh, it's a good chance for like representation of disability in the game especially if there are moments in the game where your powers are dwindled or taken away from you and you have to kind of live and cope with the aesthetic uh, with the sorry with the um, disability you can also tell a story of like phantom pain you know how somebody experiences the loss of something as critical to them as a limb okay and so you know you have this temptation to kind of tap into this this other realm uh maybe you're experimenting on i you know i've thought about this a lot is if we if we found alternate dimensions like alternate versions of the earth reality we would be like ethically justifiable to go into those dimensions and take resources kind of like you know modern uh, future Uh, colonialism oh my god i can't believe you said there's a tangent maybe we save it for after the pitch but i just recently learned about quantum computing and it's Mm. wild it's basically exactly what you just said like something that really exists though (laughs) yeah so essentially like they're developing these quantum-based processors it's obviously so much faster and like you can store away more things but the the atoms, the molecules are actually technically bouncing between different like times slash dimensional, like they're crossing in and out of that sort of plane, Hmm. but on, you know, on a level that we couldn't like send a person there, but they are like constantly moving in a way that like disrupts space time in some meaningful way. I'm probably not explaining it well, but suffice to say they're existing in like two states simultaneously. So they are technically using the, you know, atomic resources of somewhere else that we can't quite tell. 
and who knows what the implications of that are. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, computers, man. Um, but anyway, yeah, so maybe there's something like the scientist is trying to heal himself. Uh, you introduce maybe characters and like the scientist just feels further. They're tapping into that state and maybe there's dimensions where their limbs still exist. You know, he still feels it or she still feels it. Mm -hmm. There's dimensions in which, you know, people are entirely of flame and of ice and all those kind of crazy things Mm -hmm. in this world. And because they can still feel the limb, they like know if they can just access it in another dimension, they can like steal it for a moment. But like through the course of that, obviously, uh, maybe it starts to have some long term impacts on their their brain or their personality or even their just molecules, period. They're killing themselves by doing it. Very interesting. Well, that takes us to 10 minutes. So let's close this down. I like where this is going, getting in some cool story details. Um. I feel like a good name would be the Quantonomicon. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it's cool. <laughs> the scientist is the first uh, the first author of the Quantonomicon. That's right. And it's, you know, essentially kind of using modern science to do kind of old school summoning of monsters type of thing. So works out nicely. Let's go over to the community now and see what they have for us this week. This comes from Matthew A. Taylor, who says, Hello, H&Q. I loved your debattle game pitch from the third week of February 2019. I would love to mention a game that is very similar to your game idea, Oh Sir, the Insult Simulator, which is a game that uh, does currently exist. And uh, I got to review it for a website a while back when I was still doing that before I got into the games industry. Anyways, uh, I found this cheap Steam game years ago, and it has given me enough entertainment for its premise. I think your debate club game idea would be an amazing continuation of these types of games. I have an odd idea I would like to... I would like to hear you two flush out. I love JRPG games, but dislike sports games, so I'm tasking you two with making a JRPG tactics-style game, sports game, mashup. I have the image in my head of an American football game with each type of player being an RPG class type and the player's movement is dictated by said class, bringing in tactics slash chess style movement. But as always, you two can change change things up as you will. Love the show. Please keep it up. Thank you very much, Matthew. And we will start the clock there. Matthew, thanks for writing in. H, I'm thinking of what is the name of this game that was a little bit this... Right. There are a few games that uh, that do kind of like ride this line. And so just to uh, just to get those, you know, out there, out in the open, um, not as a way of saying like, oh, this isn't such an original idea after all. It's just kind of like <laughs> no, a no, nice, so like, cool. like yeah. if you're into this kind of thing, here are some further reading that you can do. <laughs> so um, there was a game recently called Pyre, which is put out by Supergiant Games, who yes. had done uh, Bastion and Transistor. Um, and so obviously it's going to look and sound beautiful. And, uh, from what I understand, it is kind of a turn-based sportsy basketball-y type of game. Uh, I've not played it, but I have, uh, meant to, and I've listened to a bit of the soundtrack. It is excellent and like you would expect it to be. Um, there is also a couple of games based on American football called Blood Bowl, which I think is a computer game loose adaptation, dropping the license of a, like an official tabletop uh, Warhammer 
sub game, I believe. Mm. This is all based on like secondhand knowledge of a genre that I'm not too familiar with. Um, but it is kind of taking like orcs and humans and turning it into, uh, and again, I don't know how, how straight of a football game it is versus how much of a RPG mashup there is. But, uh, I do like this idea. Let's see if we can build this into something, um, into something that, uh, really runs and really gamifies in a, in a very, uh, strange and divergent way. I like the idea of classes. I feel like that was roughly suggested in Pyre. There's kind of different people of different sizes and different sort of And it makes sense because that's what you would see on a sports team. You have different positions and they're all either different people and different body types that are suited to each position. Yeah, it's almost like I, I, I'm trying to think of like the introduction of magic into the whole thing and like mm-hmm. what does a a turn-based Quidditch almost look like in this sort of world. Now, here's something that <laughs> might be fun. Um, let's say, yeah, I just want to bring up that uh, recently uh, the uh, Monster Factory YouTube show, um, which is excellent, put on by the McElroy brothers, uh, did a couple of episodes about, uh, was it cricket that they were playing? Uh, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm, now I can okay, go check it out. One of those weird british games that i don't know much about rugby cricket i sorry <laughs> uh all of our uh canadians listener base is probably yelling at the stereo right now um because they listen to these on stereos like <laughs> like like good 90s kids um anyways uh but it was fun watching them try to figure out by context clues how cricket is played <laughs> and oh. um you know to try to like actually play the game that they made this character within. Uh, and so um, maybe you are in an army type of scenario. You know, you're in a Final Fantasy Tactics type scenario, but every army that you encounter plays by the rules of a different sports game. And so you have to build your party of adventurers and you know it's not like a dungeons and dragons you pick your classes and you can pick your friends and you can pick your friend's nose and uh (laughs) and you can come up against each of these different armies and you have to essentially play a different sport whether it's real or fictional and kind of just suss out how it works how your skills play into it how to best and to spread your your team across the different roles that need to be filled and uh, just go in there and see what happens. <laughs> I like the idea of, um, I went back and revisited into the breach recently and the idea of, I feel like there needs to be a ball, like <laughs> to give you that sort of so many sports mm-hmm. end with a ball or a token of some sort. Right. While one character <laughs> what, what a is thing to say. Yeah, uh, many sports uh, end with a ball or a token of some sort. <laughs> yeah, I'm going very we are analytical. Big sports enthusiasts, of course. <laughs> we love sports ball. It's a wonderful. Um, no, and you know what? I love football, and I keep thinking that like there are certain rules for people that are holding the ball, right? And I think if you're going to do this turnstile thing. Like what you don't want to have is it's very easy to always be, uh, depending on who gets the ball, perpetually not able to kind of catch up and close the gap if you want to tackle or 
or like kind of stop this person in some way. You almost want to have like the person that has the ball um, is mired potentially in some way, or they have to uh, engage with the rules of movement differently. The same way in basketball, no double dribble. Once you stand still, you can't like keep moving mm. with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you need to do some sort of motion control on the battlefield um, to make this work. There we go. That's interesting. Now, I had just kind of thrown out like you are having fantasy battles, like a regular tactic style game. Does that. I think it still works. Yeah. I didn't want to lock ourselves into something if uh, if we wanted to deviate more. But, uh, you know, since you aren't actually beating up the opponents, you have to kind of like think uh, kind of laterally in all of these different situations. Then having kind of a straightforward win loss condition, um, I think, kind of sorts out a lot of the. Um, a lot of the con- potential confusion. Uh, maybe there's also aspects of uh, of conversation and social elements, uh, whether it is just heckling your opponents like you would see on a baseball field or whether you are uh, actually engaging in um, relationship building on the battlefield uh, that's uh, forming alliances or, or romances, whatever it is. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Or... Even in, uh, I've been playing some Persona 5 recently, and I really like that you can, instead of catching the demons like Pokemon, you talk to them, and if they like what you have to say, then they will consider joining your troop. (laughs) I love, oh, capture an enemy unit too. That would be very good. Like you could switch teams in the middle of a battle. (laughs) I think that's really cool. So there's some sort of method of ball control. I'm, I'm, one of my frames of reference here, strangely, is something I haven't played since I was a little kid. So forgive me if I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not able to recreate it accurately in my mind, but there was a game heroes of might and magic three was my mm-hmm. jam for, for a long time as a kid. And I remember the feeling of approaching, maybe there is like a bit of a map and you have different sized teams that you can encounter. Like, Here's a Might and Magic had like a throng of crows, you know, <laughs> or a, um, so you kind of have a rough sense of how many characters you're going to encounter. And then once you do encounter this team, you have to kind of deal with them and you get powerful units and some have ranged attacks and maybe attacking can do unit damage or it can do sort of tackle damage or interception damage so you can like get rid of the ball from somebody having Mm -hmm. it and you can switch between those damage types it would be interesting also if the like random monsters or the animals that you encounter in the world each had kind of like little mini rule sets that you had to play by as well in those settings it would be a little bit you would feel like you'd really have to justify there being a consequence for you not following the rules when you're playing against like a squirrel. But uh, uh, I don't know. There's um, the, just this sense of a world where everything plays by certain sets of rules. I don't know. I'm even thinking now if the object of everybody's desire like is in motion and really the only way to stop it or slow it down is each team is attacking it. And by attacking it, it's it sort of pre-selects where the ball's next spawn point is going to be. So like if you really want to do a a court reset or something uh, and get the ball back to the middle of the court while you're on defense, 
you just decide to attack the ball while the other team is actively trying to score with it. And if you can destroy the ball itself, you get it to sort of respawn in the center of the the battlefield and then your team can make a, a press for the other team's goal. You know, I it's hard not to think of the football slash basketball analogy in this or maybe even hockey is a good one. But that sort of back and forth of I'm marching towards you, you're marching towards me and where the the tug of war continues. All right. Well, let's close it down and come up with a name. We can go uh, like old school Roman with this and call it Sporticus. <laughs> Sporticus is pretty good. Wow. <laughs> is there some pun that we could do with like sword and sorcery or something like that? Sportsery. <laughs> sports and sportsery are is pretty good. Uh I like Sporticus. Uh I like sport it's a JRPG style too, so maybe it's Sporticus Sports and Sportsery. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that's pretty nice. It's a good one. Cover well, all thank the you bases. very much, Matthew A. Taylor, for sending that in. We always appreciate when people use single letter initials. Welcome to the club. Great. Well, and if you would like to submit a pitch of your own, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can go to playwrightcast on Twitter at playwrightcast, or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of our theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. And thank you to Kane and Rinse, our podcast parent network with great shows such as the Kane and Rinse podcast, The Sausage Factory, and interviews with game developers. And H, you recently had an episode of Sound of Play where you had, uh, what, a composer from the Materia Collective mm, on, right? Yeah. That was yeah, a really, really great episode. Guy. Yeah, that was uh, Sound of Play 188, I believe. 188. So maybe a little old by the time you're hearing this episode, but worth going back and giving that one a download. I really, uh, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's a nice one. Uh, anyways, let's, uh, let's close out today with a miniature pitch. Q, what are you bringing us? A weird physics-y game like Human Fall Flat, where you are a yoga class instructor. <laughs> All right. I like it. You can drag the limbs individually and watch the people mimic what you do. It's <laughs> That's a right. good one. Get your downward dog on. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. We'll be right back.